Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend, one of the nicest people that uh, I've ever run across in sports is Brian Jordan. And he joins us now here on Carricker and Smallman. BJ, great to have you with us this morning. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Uh, staying safe, uh, crossing my fingers, and uh, hope we can get baseball soon. Yeah, we, 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 we want to touch on baseball, but uh, I, I want to talk to you because you are a thoughtful and caring person. You have three sons, and you live in Atlanta, and you, I know that you're paying attention to what's going on in the world, and I just want to give you uh, the, the platform here. What are you thinking uh, these days with what's going on in our country in the last 10 days? Well, number one, it's scary. Uh, No question about it. But uh, after watching what I did in Minnesota, you know, it has to stop. Uh, Police forces have to do a better job hiring police officers. Uh, I think the government politicians need to do a better job in their cities to bring back the, the POW and the boxing gyms to have police officers uh, you know, police the communities better. Uh, I know when I grew up, you know, I learned to respect police officers because I always saw them in the community. They would help, help coaching teams and recreation. So you kind of build a relationship with the police officers, and it, it was always a positive environment. But, you know, in today's world, uh, you know, kids are brought up scared of the police officers because what they see on social media and what they see on TV. And, uh, you know, it saddens me. It saddens me. But uh, they got to figure out a way to to change the image of police officers. Thanks for those comments, Brian. I want to circle back to what you said uh, before Randy asked you that question about baseball returning. I just want to get a confidence check from you. As somebody that's in baseball, that's probably talking to a lot of people every day, where's your confidence level that we will have a 2020 Major League Baseball season? Well, you know, I always talk about this subject uh, because I feel like at the state of what, where the country is right now, sports is needed, and there's a sacrifice that's going to have to be made. It kind of reminds me of the 9-11 when I was in a Braves uniform and the country shut down uh, from from what the tragic incident that happened. You know, there was a fear going back to New York uh, as a player, uh, but it was a sacrifice that I felt I had to make because to put smiles back on the fans, especially in New York and around the world was important. Uh, and I felt like it was my duty to, to, to do that. And I think we're at that same point, uh, being quarantined this long, not having sports. Uh, yes, I want it to be as safe as possible. Uh, yes, at the start with no fans, whatever it takes. Uh, but the players are going to have to sacrifice. It can't be about money, money, money all the time. Yes, I, I want those guys to get their money. I hope they work out some kind of deferred situation where guys can get their money uh, according to how many games they play. But, you know, it's time to make a sacrifice. It's time to say we have to get this done because, believe me, I was a part of that strike in 94 and 95, and, and fans – you know, they don't take it well <laughs> when when it's always about money and the fans are not going to see that. And they need some type, this world needs some sports. And 
no question in my mind. It's a lot of pent up anger and energy sitting at home and, and people without work. Uh, so I, I hope the guys understand that sometimes you have to make a sacrifice and we can get baseball back out there. BJ, because you opened the door, I, I have to ask about you guys. You were on Atlanta. You go into New York for that game where Piazza hits the home run. What was that like in 9-11, the first game in New York after 9-11? That was the only game I didn't mind losing that way because, you know, to do it in New York and see Piazza hit that game-winning home run, uh, it was so loud. But you could see the joy and, and, and fans crying uh to be a part of New York, uh, it, it was it was an awesome feeling, you know. It was almost like it was meant to happen. <laughs> Brian, uh, speaking of home runs, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show today is talk, talk to talk about Long Gone Summer, the documentary that's coming out for ESPN about the home run chase between McGuire and Sosa. And as a teammate of McGuire, you obviously has a great have a great perspective for that. But when I was doing some reading last night, I came across some comments that you made in 99, kind of expressing some frustrations about the, uh, the state of the team at that time. You said, it quote, it wasn't about winning. It was about one man making history. And at that time, just to refresh everyone's memories, the Cardinals weren't in the postseason hunt. You finish 83 and 79 and in third place. So what was that like to be on a team that you knew wasn't going to make the postseason, but to be in the eye of the storm and this massive home run chase that was getting all of this media attention? Well, you know, it, it was it was great uh, because, one, Mark McGuire is a great person. Uh, he was an awesome teammate. And, you know, everybody rallied around Mark McGuire during that time. You know, we knew we didn't have a chance to to make the playoffs, but all of us wanted to be in the lineup to make sure, you know, he's pitched to and he has that opportunity. And, you know, if you're not going to be in playoffs, at least, you know, be a part of some type of history. And uh, that was our attitude. I think, you know, because Mark was such a good person, you know, I think everybody wanted to see it. And every player, you know, had his back, you know, through all the, turmoil and everything else. Everybody had Mark McGuire's back because he's a good person. And BJ, it's interesting. Uh, I had forgotten that after I think he hit home run number 50 that year, he signed balls individually for all of you guys, all of his teammates to commemorate that occasion and, and give you a little glimpse into the memory of that 1998 season. Yeah, I mean, he he understood how much media attention that that it was getting, and he knew some of his teammates were probably, you know, getting frustrated every day dealing with media and asking questions. And that was his way of, you know, guys, I appreciate your patience, and, and, you know, thanks for having my back. You know, that was the type of guy Mark was. I mean, not everybody's going to do that. They, You know, they're going to just say it's a part of my job, and that's what I do. But Mark, you know, he took it to heart to make sure everybody – you know, felt good about the situation, and that was his way of saying thank you for for taking in all the media and and walking with me through this walk. Through all of those home runs, and I, BJ, my favorite all time opening day was when he hit that grand slam on opening day against the Dodgers. But throughout that season, whether it was number fifty or sixty two, or that weekend where he hit sixty six through seventy, is there one memory that really stands out for you from that season? Uh, you know, when he hit that 62, uh, you know, I'm trying, it was against the Cubs in, in Bush Stadium. And uh, 
just a celebration, man, to see his son, you know, be able to enjoy that moment with him. Uh, you know, that last week, two weeks, I mean, his son was a part of, you know, everything. And uh, to see that relationship and see what it meant to, to Mark McGuire through it all, you know, his family was there. And uh, it was just a terrific moment for me to, to, to watch history made and the Sammy Sosa right there on the field with them. And, uh, man, it was it was an awesome celebration, man. I will always remember that. You weren't in the lineup for that game. Were you hurt then? Yeah, I had a wrist injury, and I know Tony was trying to get me in that lineup, but, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't get in. I, I hate to see I'm, I wasn't in the lineup, and I know Tony really wanted me in that lineup just in case it did happen. But, uh, you know, whether I was in the lineup or not, man, it was a great celebration for me and, and, and Mark McGuire and his family and, and St. Louis. Brian, this long-gone summer documentary is part of a series of documentaries that ESPN has pushed out. Just curious, did you watch The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan docuseries? Yeah, I mean, he's one of my favorite players. So, I mean, just to get the inside of of what it took to be Michael Jordan, I mean, to <laughs> me it was awesome because, you know, he was probably the greatest competitor of all time. And, uh, you know, I knew that. I watched that every day, and uh, but I got a chance to really see it you know, how hard-nosed he was. I mean, it was awesome. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, you obviously were a two-sport athlete, a professional athlete for the Falcons and the Braves and obviously the Cardinals. But um, watching Michael Jordan, who is the greatest basketball player of all time, who is one of the greatest athletes we'll ever see, watching him seek this second career in professional baseball and watching him talk about the difficulties of playing two sports and even though you're very athletic it's hard to do both at at a peak level at a professional level what was that like for you as somebody that has done it to watch somebody like Michael Jordan talk about how difficult it was to actually execute it well he's right I mean you have to prioritize your time and and, uh, you got to keep yourself in the best shape and you got to have that that competitiveness that, that Michael had, you know, everybody asked me, do you think Michael Jordan would have made it? I say, if he would have started at 25, yes, he would have made it just because of his competitive nature. And if you notice in the documentary, he started out on that 13 game hitting streak, seeing fastballs. It kind of reminded me of my career. When I came into the big leagues, I was seeing fastballs and I got off to a hot start. And all of a sudden that wrinkle came, uh, Doug Drabeck struck me out four times on ESPN, and I was like, whoa. It kind of reminds me of how hard I worked on hitting that curveball, and next thing you know, it became my favorite pitch. Well, Michael Jordan went through that same thing, and he ended up learning how to hit that curveball. To hit 207 in double A and not picking up a baseball since you were a little kid is very impressive. <laughs> so... I respect him, and he understands how difficult it was. But I loved it. Uh, I played three sports in high school, basketball being my favorite. So it was like, wow, this is easy for me. It was something that I was so used to. One more for you, Brian. We had a member of the St. Louis Cardinals move to the Braves, the big bear, Marcelo Zuna. I know we haven't had a large sample size of him, but just from the spring training that Marcelo Zuna did have in Atlanta, you as a as an analyst for Fox Sports South, what are the early returns on Marcelo Zuna and how he's going to mesh in Atlanta? Well, I know he's going to mesh. Uh, he, he just has that personality. And uh, the one thing that I know is we got a lot of personality on Atlanta's ball club with Acuna and 
at Albies at second base and Swanson. Those young guys, they have fun. Uh, they enjoy, you know, celebrating and, and getting the fans riled up. And uh, Marcel Azuna is one of those types of players. I mean, you know, in a big moment, he finds a way to come through. Uh, we'll work on his outfield because I felt like he was one of the better outfielders uh, early in his career. Uh, and, and he'll get better at that, you know. So he's going to mix very, very well if we ever see him on the field. And <laughs> I know it has to be tough on guys like him that signed one-year deals, you know, to, to you know, have that one year and not be able to play the game. It, it's got to be frustrating. So, you know, hopefully we'll see him on the field. And, uh, you know, the last time we had a short season, the Braves ended up winning the World Championship in 95. Right. So, you know, maybe it's repeat after St. Louis whooped them, upset them in the playoffs this year. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, BJ, you've written some really inspirational children's books over the years, and uh, I, I know you're really uh, thoughtful about those. I, I would guess that you've got some thoughts. Do you have anything you're working on right now? Well, I just completed my first chapter book uh, called The Adventures of Champ Jr., and it's a series, so, you know, it's it's an awesome series, uh, one that I'm looking at maybe turning into a movie. But uh, this is what I love to do, right? Children's books inspire and motivate kids. Uh, I did a reading challenge with uh, all third graders in Douglas County, Georgia this year, and the reading levels have gone up tremendously. I mean, just challenging kids to read, to me, is very important. And to see it really work and uh, incentivize for kids uh, – you know, I'm excited, and hopefully uh, I'll be able to do some of this in St. Louis and uh, help these kids with their literacy. Well, people can learn more about what you're doing at BrianJordanFoundation.com, and America needs people like you. We appreciate you taking some time reminiscing and, and giving your thoughts today, BJ. Always good to hear your voice. You too, Randy. Uh, anytime, man.